Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse live stream, Freedom live stream. I want to emphasize that word, and I am very excited and happy today because Claude and I have been waiting for this day to be able to share with you. And please, to whoever this resonates, please share it, okay? We want as much people, as much living men and women to be able to um, listen to this and then take action. And Claude, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> and uh, so isn't it something, Claude, for the last two, three years, it seems like there's so many people who are really like soaking up or who wants to learn more about freedom, about truth, because it seems like, you know, elections come and go, and yet, you know, it seems like nothing is really changing. So what do you think of that? Well, it's uh, very obvious that there's something very wrong with our government and our country. We, we don't have representative government in Washington, D.C. and or in here in New Jersey and Trenton. And that's very obvious. And so a lot of people are wondering what happened, what went wrong. Uh, and more importantly, I think, what can we do about it? So um, my name is Claude Albert, and I'm a status-corrected New Jersey and American national, a member of the New Jersey Assembly. And what does that mean, and why does it matter? I, I, oh, I forgot to add, I'm a non-U.S. citizen. And so in order to understand what happened to our government and why we no longer have uh, what we would think of as representation, or why these people are, are getting away with criminality and we appear to be governed by corporate rule is because that's in fact what's happened. And so if we take a little walk back through American history, I think we can uh, pretty briefly cover what we need to do to understand what happened and then more importantly, what we can do to go about it and to find ourselves in what we could truly call one day the land of the free and the home of the brave because that's not where we are now. Um, most people understand that we were founded in, after the American Revolution in 1776. We were founded as a constitutional republic. Very different style of government than a democracy. Couldn't be more different. Um, the styles of government, of course, in 1776, the primary styles of government were were the monarchies okay so the the majority of the governments of the world were the monarchies but we dial back a little in history we know we had the we had the magna carta and we had the dutch reformation and the protestant reformation where martin luther uh wanted to put the bible in the hands of the common man and take it away from where it was which was just in the hands of the priestcraft so we had this this um movement where monarchies started to fall out of favor it was like uh, you know we heard a lot of things about the king uh is 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 the divine right of kings and and people stopped buying that as if god wanted a king so and so to rule so so the monarchies which had been thriving for thousands of years and, and had enormous wealth, wanted to figure out, okay, what style of government can we create that won't be a monarchy, but will kind of function like a monarchy? And so they started, they started creating socialism, communism, democracy, and all of these different styles of government that would, that would make it a more palatable for people to accept their uh, centralized power and control, basically. So along, along comes the founding fathers and this American Revolution in a land that was pretty much insulated. We were separated by the, by the Atlantic Ocean. And so we were kind of, in those days, at that period of time in history, we, we had kind of a buffer. And we were able to get the Constitutional Republic off the ground. And right away, King George and the monarchies, they were not happy. They began to infiltrate our constitutional republic immediately. 
they were they were dead set on taking it down and so the question is how did they do that um, yeah, so what i'm hearing is because sometimes people just think of how bad the beginning of the republic or let's say how bad the beginning of america and yet if if there's there's it's not all bad at the beginning there's that good part also because the intention was good and the initial leadership was good in a way right well yeah the, the constitutional republic actually was a grand experiment okay this is governance by we the people we the people are sovereign we don't have a monarch a king a queen a czar a, a uh, you know an emperor or we don't have centralized power and control the power resides in the people and this is the very this was a very different style of government than what had ever been experienced on earth before uh, again the our constitution was modeled um, after the dutch reformation when people started searching for better styles of law mm -hmm. um, what the monarchies favored is roman civil law which is basically a form of law that is uh, commercial and and they can do pretty much in that form of law in that jurisdiction anything they want um, the judge in our country now it, we're, we're we're currently under commercial law or roman civil law after they effectively um, kind of put our constitutional uh, republic aside and installed their democracy and i'll show you how they did that but they what they really were after was the implementation of roman civil law because the judge is kind of like a little king he or she in this country can do pretty much whatever they want in the court they have near perfect immunity from prosecution the judges just as we see the senators and the congressmen and the presidents can pretty much do anything they want they, they they're they're immune apparently unlike the rest of us and so so you have a system of law where the centralized power and control is very complete and um it's it's commercial law it's the uniform commercial code but it's basically roman civil law which was which was what the monarchies preferred and was the the basic form of law for over two thousand years well over two thousand years um before uh, the constitutional republic was ever formed in in the united states so they began to infiltrate our constitutional republic immediately because in the constitutional republic we have a different form of law it's called common law. It's a non-commercial law. It is a common law for the common people. We speak common English and we make common sense. It's a very simple, logical, rational, and reasonable system that is in keeping with, with, with spiritual principles and, and godly principles. So that's why I call it returning to God's jurisdiction uh, as opposed to the commercial law, uh, which is uh admiralty maritime uniform commercial code and roman civil law which is a model of centralized power and control where they have a million rules and statute statutes and they even speak a different language uh, the lawyers and the judges go to law school to learn the the legalese or black mm -hmm. the, the, and they use black's law dictionary so that if a if a common man or common woman goes into their courtrooms you really don't comprehend fully what's being said. So you're kind of kept in the dark the way the priestcraft used to keep people in the dark by being the only ones that had the Bible. Way back, hundreds and hundreds of years before the American Revolution and before the Dutch uh, Reformation, people didn't have Bibles. And Martin Luther came along and said, we want to we want, we want to distribute the, the Bibles amongst everyone so you don't have to go to your priest to know what's in what people call the good book. Um, we don't want to hoard the spiritual knowledge. We want everyone to share in it.
constitutional democracy. A, a constitutional republic and a democracy. Are yeah, and a lot of people, not just you, a lot of people really made that kind of like joke already talking about democracy. Yeah, in in the United States, it's it's right. it's uh, a, a, the this is a I recommend this this um, this essay. This is a comparative analysis of the differences of a constitutional republic and a democracy. Where can they get that? They can get that free online. It's called USA: The Republic, the House that No One Lives In. Can they get it from from that web website that I'm showing? Uh, no, you just have to Google it or DuckDuckGo okay. it, whatever. It's written by a man named okay. Lee Brobst. His last name is spelled B is in Bob, R is in Robert, O, okay. B is in Bob, S, T. Lee Brobst, the Republic is the house that no one lives in. It's a comparative analysis of a constitutional repu republic versus a democracy. And they could not be more different. In fact, Mr. Brooks describes a constitutional republic as a mansion and says that, a, that, that the democracy is a shithouse with, a, with, with no plumbing. And he wants to know why are 99.9% .9 of our country living in a shithouse with no plumbing when they could move into a mansion next door? That's really the, the functional difference of the two systems of government that could not be more different. So to hear uh, a very intelligent um, uh, man like Dinesh D'Souza say, oh, our constitutional democracy, I'd like to know what he means by that. Uh, I don't think there's such a thing. Don't mind me, Claude. Okay. So, I want to make sure. So I again, that so how did, how did they begin to attack our style of government uh, in 1776? Or, or shortly thereafter, we had the Constitutional Convention and formed our Constitutional Republic. Uh, they did it in several ways. The first way they began to infiltrate our country with their powerful, wealthy members of their ruling families. Uh, the Pesors, the Rockefellers, the Morgans, the, the, uh, all of these, the DuPonts, all of these extremely wealthy families came into our country, our fledgling constitutional republic, and they immediately became the captains of industry. They, they, uh, you know, they became our senators, our congressmen. They became, um, they were men of means and had an enormous amount of influence in our, our, our states and our cities, as would only be expected by people with that much wealth and that much power. So they began to infiltrate that way. They also began their psychological operations almost immediately. They came in with this guy um, named Robert Owen in the early 1800s with something called the Equality Movement. And uh, the Equality Movement thankfully failed miserably, but Robert Owen was sort of kind of like the father to the to the uh, creators of communism and socialism and that, oh, everyone is equal and, and we, uh, we want equality across the board. Um, here's the problem with equality. It's not equity. It's not anything like what, what, what we really want is equity. We want equitable opportunity and equitable systems. Cool. However, we're not equal. None of us are equal. We are unique. So, so I grew up in a family with three brothers and three sisters, with the same parents, the same country, the same town, the same schools. None of us are equal in almost anything. We're all very different people with, with different motivations and interests and skills and gifts. So why would we ever want to be equal? I don't understand. It's a, it appears to be a form of psychological operation by the ruling class that that is intended to divide us okay so they want to divide male and female they want to divide black and white they want to divide conservative and and, and liberal they want us divided because divided we're weak we're we're united we're strong and the last thing they want is a strong america a constitutional republic uh, with a constitutional republican form of government where you have a lot of very pow powerful, empowered, sovereign men and women in the country. 
They want us weak so they can come in with their systems of centralized power and control. And that is basically the difference between a constitutional Republican style of government and a democracy. So how did they get it done after the infiltration with all the wealthy uh, individual families and, and, the, and the psychological operations? The real, they, uh, they, they began to really um, gain uh, ground in the 1850s. And then we had the, uh, the Abraham Lincoln presidency of 1860, which was, he uh, originally Abraham Lincoln was quite frankly, an agent of uh, the ruling class at the time. He came in, they wanted, they, they had, they had uh, a purpose, which was to divide our country. It was called, it was eventually called the civil war. And that's what they tried to do, and that's what they successfully did. It will surprise some people. You should every every American should read George Washington's farewell address. In the late 1700s, 65 years approximately before the Civil War, George Washington in his farewell address warned our country: do not let them divide you north and south or east and west. And that's what they've been trying to do. That's what they were trying to do from the beginning. And how did how did how did this, how did George Washington know sixty five years mm -hmm. prior to the Civil War that that's what they would eventually try to do? And it was very successful. They when as soon as the Civil War came in, okay, I'm going to defend Abraham Lincoln in a minute because um, he was an, he was uh, an agent of the powers that came in to divide us. But then in, 19, in 1863, he, at the fields of Gettysburg, he apparently found Jesus Christ. He turned his, himself around. He tried, he, 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 he accepted Christ into his life. And then he decided, I want to be a real American president. And he stopped cooperating with his handlers. He started trying to be a president for the people. And that's why they assassinated him in 1865. Yeah, it seems like and, uh, the and, ones that who are assassinated are the ones who are trying to do good for the people. And and sometimes they've had a change of heart after they mm -hmm. seen they, after they saw the fruit of what <laughs> what they participated in, they they no longer uh, are so willing. So that's what that's what his um, I believe happened with Abraham Lincoln. Shortly after that, it was it was one blow to our constitutional republic after another. They brought in the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Um, they brought in the uh, Corporations and, and Organic Acts of 1868 and 1870, I believe. Um, and they started all this stuff about creating our governments and corporations. But the real blow, the real death knell for our republic was the 14th Amendment in 1868. And if you read the 14th Amendment, what it says very clearly is first, you will be a citizen of the United States or a U.S. citizen. Now, that's the exact opposite of the Constitutional Republic, where first you are a citizen of your state. Remember, the states were sovereign. New Jersey and Pennsylvania were sovereign. So if you think of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, that would be like Italy and Spain. Two nation states mm -hmm. who are in close proximity but then we formed the united states for our mutual benefit and we created the constitutions but the states were sovereign and they were all unincorporated initially so the 14th amendment turns this entire thing around and says first you're a citizen of the united states and along with the Corporations Act and the Organic Act, they clearly had designed to create the United States of America as a corporation, to install Roman civil law, which is corporate law, and to change the status of the American national and the state national to that of a U.S. citizen. They weren't able to accomplish everything right away. If we turn into the, the next century, we find that sitting there as one of the great acts of treason against our country, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, which everyone, uh, a lot of people are familiar with that, when uh, there was a conspiracy and uh, some, some 
uh, under the table dealings that gave our monetary policy, our national monetary policy to a group of private bankers. And that's in the uh, city of London, correct? Well, yeah, the, well, the, the banking, yeah, the banking um, cabal, as it were, is the city of London, the spiritual center of, of these, these, uh, these dark operations is the papacy and and the united states was positioned after the overthrow of our constitutional republic as the military arm of this triumvirate and yes uh london is is where their uh financial uh the core of their financial empire is held so we we never had to give our monetary policy to private bankers i mean that's insane this is our national policy it should be handled by we the people in a constitutional republic so it's my contention that the great depression was engineered by these bankers once they got control of the monetary policy it was uh easy for them to engineer the great depression and that's what they're trying to do again there they do they do that all the time they did that with the civil war they created a national emergency so that they could grant themselves fictitious emergency powers they did that with um the the depression uh in march 9 1933 franklin delano roosevelt one of the great traders in american history signed something called the emergency banking and relief act where he came on to national TV and said, okay, the crisis is over. Uh, we're, we're, we're confiscating all the gold and silver. And so they took your real money. They gave you debt instruments in the firm, uh, in the form of federal reserve notes. And then they, and he said, oh, but, but please rest assured. We have the federal, we're giving you the federal deposit insurance corporation. So if you've ever walked into a bank, you see your deposit is insured up to $150,000 by the FDIC. Uh, unfortunately, the unfortunate news for the American population is that this particular fund uh, could, could, re could restore the accounts to less than 1% of our population. Mm -hmm. And if you think you're going to be first in line, even if your last name starts with the letter A, I think you're probably mistaken. So the Federal Reserve, uh, the, the, the Emergency Banking and Relief Act was basically the death knell of the Constitutional Republic. They didn't really kill it. It's still there, still standing, because our forefathers were, were brilliant, educated men mm -hmm. who put in a system called dual federalism where, um, okay, let me, let me dial this back again. What they did on March 9th, 1933 was several things. They created the mandatory birth certificate. And because the American population willfully handled, handed over their gold and silver, they basically handed over the law. And they put in a default system. Every boy and every girl born in this country after March 9th, 1933, was immediately defaulted into the status of a U.S. citizen, a 14th Amendment U.S. citizen. And they had already established the United States as a corporation. So uh, what happened to those born before? Did they were everyone required? So they had to catch up and everyone no, believe it is. No, no, they kind of left it alone. They're very okay. patient with these operations. They're very patient. They didn't, they didn't make it retroactive, but they, they basically installed their democracy, but, it, and, and, and it made the birth certificate mandatory. So we have to talk about the birth certificate for just a moment, because what is that? Is that really, it doesn't have anything to do with the live birth of a boy or a girl. And I'm here to tell you, it does not. If you want to spell the word birth, B-E-R-T-H, you would be much more accurate because it's a birth in their corporate system, but it's much more nefarious than that. It is a unilateral contract that they attach to the baby boy or girl. And so you, you have a contract and you're identified using all capital letters in that contract. 
It may not say, my birth certificate isn't spelled in all capital letters, but I guarantee you my driver's license, my registration, anything I get from the Department of Motor Vehicles, the Internal Revenue Service, or anything you get from any court in this land will be addressed in all to, to your name in all capital letters. So you have to ask yourself, why are these highly educated people, these lawyers and these judges, spelling my name in all capital letters? I learned in grammar school, that's not the way to spell a proper name. They're doing it very deliberately. It's constructive fraud. It's impersonation. It is, it is, a, it is a crime to do that. But they do it. Everyone, everyone accepts it as, oh, okay, hundreds of years ago, it was well known that that if you spell the name in all capital letters, this is, you are, illiter you are illiterate. They used to call it Latin for the ignorant to spell the name in all capital letters because it does not, it's not proper and it does not signify a living man or a living woman. What it identifies is a unilateral or one-sided contract that is attached to a living man or a living woman. This gets even darker and even more uh, dishonest. I could use other words that are a little stronger, and, and I, I want to, but suffice it to say that on your birth certificate, if, if you read it, the mother is listed as the informant. This is a one-sided contract that is being, that in my case, it was done when I was 10 days old. So you have a 10-day-old boy. They're identifying my mother as the informant and pinioning a 10-day-old boy under a one-sided contract with a corporation. So this is a for-profit corporation contracting with a 10-day-old boy, utilizing their his legal guardian, his mother and his father, to make this contract. And when they summon you to their courts, <coughs> That's what they're addressing. They have no authority to address a living man or a living woman. They can only address this contract. And so if in the courtroom, the judge is reading a complaint against Grace Asagra, and he reads, <coughs> he reads a name that's written in, in all capital letters, your name, and he says, uh, the, the, the defendant is Grace Asagra. Is Grace Asagra present? And you raise your hand and say, yes as most people would do. Their system says you just consented to Roman civil law. You consented to commercial jurisdiction. You have, and everything, they, they will even tell you this entire structure, their entire court system, their entire form of government can only be legitimate if it has the consent of the American people. It requires your consent. And by keeping you ignorant, that is what they call implied consent. So, so you innocently raise your hand and say, yes, I'm Grace Asagra. I'm innocent. Doesn't matter. Once you have raised your hand and consented that that is you, the all capital letters name is you in any way, shape, or form, you have consented to Roman civil law and to their commercial jurisdiction. And this is the same thing when you get pulled over by a police officer. Remember, the judge is an officer of the court. The court is a corporation. The attorney is an officer of the court. The court is a corporation. The clerk is an officer of the court. The court is a corporation. The police officer is an officer of the court. The court is a corporation. So you're, you're in a for-profit corporation that's functioning like a bank. And according to them, by simply identifying yourself when asked, this is your consent to be under this Roman civil law, this corporate jurisdiction. Now, when a police officer pulls you over the side of the road, the first thing he does is says, driver's license, registration, and insurance card, please. If you hand them over, you have just consented to their jurisdiction the same way that if you respond in the affirmative in court to the question about your name, that you have consented to this. Let me just, so maybe before we proceed more, it's just interesting that 
you know, nor normally most of us really respond to the sound. So if someone just calls us by our names without looking at the paper, then we, as you said, you just innocently raise your hand. Mm -hmm. And if I'm thinking during those times, many people don't know how to read. That's another problem. Although I guess if they can just see it, that it's all big letters, then they might, it might give them a hint that, okay, something is off. Yeah. And, and so, so why did they, they created the, the ruling families also in 1930 created the Department of Education. If you notice, they took, they took law out of our rudimentary educa education completely. You learn no law in America unless you graduate from college and then you go to law school. And if you do that, you, you learn commercial law, Roman civil law, admiralty maritime law. So the founding fathers were adamant, no man and no, no boy or no girl should graduate to the age of majority, the age of 18, without knowing the law of the land. And yet the, this, this other group took all knowledge about the law and all knowledge about the differences between a constitutional republic and, the constitu and a democracy out of our education they took all law about the jurisdictions out of our education. So I'd like to speak a little bit about the jurisdictions. As a, as a status-corrected New Jersey and American national, a non-U.S. citizen, my jurisdiction is the land and soil. It's a non-commercial jurisdiction. In my, in, in my jurisdiction, we, we have very simple laws. And, we, and by the way, the members of the New Jersey Assembly and, and I, I know almost all of them, our, our law, we believe strongly in the rule of law. We want safe neighborhoods. We want strong law enforcement. We believe, you know, uh, our, city our, our city should be safe for our sons and daughters to go down to the corner store without being a fear, or our wives or our, our, our loved ones. I mean, we support law enforcement. And we believe in the rule of law. We want safe cities. Who, who doesn't want that, right? So, so the difference in, in our jurisdiction is we obey the Ten Commandments. We love our neighbor and do no harm. And that pretty much sums up what we have to do. Love Ten Commandments, love thy neighbor, do no harm. In their jurisdiction, you've got a million laws, statutes, rules, regulations. You need licenses to do that. You need to register this, register that, because everything is commercial. Everything is, is for profit. In our jurisdiction, it's non-commercial, and it's so much simpler, and it's beautiful. So you have to ask yourself, when you, when you look at this creation of this birth certificate, listing a mother as to the informant on her newborn baby girl or baby boy. There's no woman I've ever met who would, who would, who would knowingly inform her newborn baby into a one-sided contract with a corporation. That simply doesn't exist. So this birth certificate and this entire creation is a violation of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, that, that shall bear no false witness. And you can't call the mother really the informant informed. if she's not informed. <laughs> yeah. That's a lie. So, so I call it God's jurisdiction and Satan's jurisdiction. And 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 my plea to the to law enforcement again, they love their psychological operations. They they call us sovereign citizens and conspiracy theorists. Okay, there's no such thing as a sovereign citizen. You're either a sovereign or you're a citizen. They're, they're as different as the constitutional republic and the democracy. Completely different things. Okay? And, and my plea to law enforcement is stop, stop believing in, in, in what we are. Come to meet us so we can show you we're God-loving, America-loving patriots who embrace the rule of law. We want strong law enforcement. We want beautiful cities and towns. And we're not violent. We're not uh, disruptive. We're not going to uh, throw rocks through the windows of, of retail stores downtown or light things on fire. 
we're simply saying, let's all study the real history. Let's see what happened. And what we want is representative government where uh, we can truly love our neighbor and build a, a, a beautiful and prosperous America where, where we can rightly, rightfully call us the land of the free and the home of the brave. Um, now we're really the land of the ignorant and the home of the slave. That's what that's the reality of what has happened in our country. And it began in 1860 with the Civil War. They used that deliberately designed divisive conflict to put in their 14th Amendment U.S. citizen uh, system. And they call it democracy It is really the rule of the many by a few. It's another form of this centralized power and control that resembles monarchies. It's the opposite of freedom. So <clears throat> interesting how they just, you know, the oligarchs and just kind of like manipulated everything so that they can continue and they could make it kind of like they for them, it's legal. Okay, so as of now, so this, um, the corporation, the jurisdiction of the corporation, corporate government, and then the assembly coexist. Yes. Right? It's coexisting. Because I bet many people will say, so how can we change that? And they don't know that this is happening now. So, and are, can you share like some instances where individuals that you know of, uh, with yourself included, was, was able to do something that is kind of like, you know, part of your being sovereign, as opposed to if you did not set yourself to be sovereign, you would have not really have attained it. Okay, um, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting um, question. Yes, the, the Constitutional Republic is still there. The, the democracy is obviously dominant. If you've got 99.9% .9 people in the country that are U.S. citizens, this is, the, you know, this is the what we call the de facto government. It's not really our authentic, our, our authentic government. Um, but it takes a certain amount of courage. I was listening to a, a podcast by Jordan Peterson earlier today. He talked about, oh, after Moses liberated the the, the Jews from um, from the Pharaoh. And he let my people go. And then they went out into the desert and they were wandering the desert and they, they were experiencing a hardship. And a lot of them were like, what did you do? What did you bring us out here for? I mean, we were comfortable, mm -hmm. you know, we were kind of comfortable even though we were slaves. Um, so a lot of people are uh, too comfortable and it takes a little bit of courage. So me personally, I have driving uh, what I call my traveling documents because you have to be very careful. They again, they tricked us with language. So you have you have this legalese and you have black law dictionary and you have commercial terms. So when they when they say you you're driving a motor vehicle, you have to understand those are commercial terms, right? But if I say I'm I'm traveling in my car. Those are not commercial terms. So a boy and girl is a non-commercial term. Children are, is a commercial term. So you have child protective services. So you have all of these commercial terminology. They want you to, they want you to consider yourself a resident, which is a commercial term. And they created all these terms. They create all this and they, and they don't tell you about it. So it's sitting back there and, and I, I catch myself using the word children all the time. And I said, no, there are sons and daughters. They're boys and girls. They're not children because the children is another trick they use to get you to quote unquote consent to their jurisdiction. And so it's very devious and it does require a certain amount of courage to correct your status. I will say I will not, I do not use a driver's license or a registration or an insurance card. I have insurance on my car because part of my responsibility is to love my neighbor. And if I do some damage, I want them to be made whole. 
as you know as mm -hmm. best as possible so so i but i won't i will turn over my travel documents and i will say excuse me i want to be you're asking me to identify myself i'm insisting on staying in honor and showing you my true status and my jurisdiction i am an, i am a living man i am a, and my jurisdiction is the land and soil of my natural birth it's a non-commercial jurisdiction i obey the ten commandments i love my neighbor i do no harm if i do harm um but um somehow then i seek to uh, make make good on that so so um, in, in, to answer your question, it's, it's very difficult for us to realize the benefits of status correction right now. We have, by my estimation, and, and, I, and there are, I know there are a lot of status corrected New Jerseyans that I'm not aware of. I'm aware of close to 100 that have come through our process. I think the number is getting close to that. And there are still a less, little less than almost 50 in our assembly. That's always um, the beginning, right? That's the that's the step one. That's the step one. Because you can just like not have your driver's license or not register your car unless you begin from the step one, or else you might get yourself in trouble. That's right. right? You that's you want to correct your status before you take any action like the one I described. However, what I want to the point I want to impress is that we don't have the numbers yet to realize the benefits of our status and our jurisdiction so so the example i'll give you is if if governor murphy puts out an executive order saying you have to wear a, a face mask to go into the grocery store number one an executive order only applies to his executive team it doesn't apply to we the people but the people who who think it applies to them are going to obey and Milgram's experiment showed us that 80% of the people or more will simply obey what they perceive to be authority. So if I go to the grocery store and I refuse to wear a face mask because I've done my homework, I know they don't work and I know they're quite unhealthy to wear. But if I'm the only one that doesn't put on a, a face mask, the store can throw me out. I don't... I don't get the benefit of my scholarship and my knowledge. So it's still a numbers game. It's a numbers game because if 50% of the people that came to the grocery store refuse to wear a mask, they're not throwing out half of their customers. They won't do it and they can't do it and stay in business. So it is a completely a numbers game. And the problem with Roman civil law and the reason that so many of us who love our country and love the real rule of law is that these judges can literally do almost anything they want. So some of us, what we encounter is we correct our status, we do all the right things, and then some out of control court officer is going to slap us with a fine or something, hopefully not more severe than that uh, anyway. It, it does happen. I'm going to be very honest. It does happen. And so I'll tell you what I did. I first corrected my status in 2016. And for a couple of years after that, I still carried my driver's license. And if, if I got pulled over, I'd give my license, my insurance and my registration. I wasn't ready to take that step and to try to explain to a police officer at the side of the road, oh, excuse me. Um, I'm properly identifying myself. I'm, I'm a New Jersey and American national, a member of the New Jersey Assembly. My jurisdiction is the land and soil. Now I know the material enough that I'm, I'm confident and, and that I can, uh, in a calm and, and, and respectful way, give that information to a police officer that I, that I, who doesn't know me. Okay, it's very important that when we're doing something um, at the side of the road with someone that doesn't know us, that we're, we're extremely respectful of their position. Here's a police officer who's pulling someone over. He doesn't know me. Because, and most of them and, don't know anything about and ninety nine And no, most of them, not only do they not know that, what they're accustomed to is 99 times out of 100, and when they say driver's license, registration, insurance, they just sit very calmly that it gets handed to it them. Just, and when it doesn't get handled to them, now they're on 
now they're nervous because they have a dangerous job. So uh, one of my favorite mentors was Dr. Stephen Covey. He says, first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. So we want to understand the police officer. He, there, there are there are not many of us status corrected Americans in New Jersey right now, but the movement is growing, and so and for for example in Florida there are thousands in their assembly. They have thousands, and they have they have a. Did that increase lately? Just in the last two years. They've been they've been the I believe the largest assembly in our country for a long time, and they have a they have a they're having difficulty processing how many more people are coming in. It's a national movement. It's growing. People are beginning to learn the the real history of our country and that we were basically, it was a soft coup d'etat. They came in, they changed our style of a government, they changed our style of law, they took away our common law, and they gave us Roman civil law, and which is the preferred form of the monarchies or the ruling class of the world. These people have so much money. They, they owned everything for thousands of years. They put it all in trusts. They have so much money that we've seen with the COVID uh, uh, situation where they control the AMA, the American Hospital Association, the CDC, the FDA. All of these are corporations and corporate structures, and they literally control all of them. This is, this is what we have now is a perfect model of centralized power and control where the very few people can make decisions for the majority of us. And if the founding fathers were able to make that move to make a change for us, which of course the original intention and design would have been, you know, like the, the assembly, okay? we could still do it. Well, yes, we could still do it. Now, we have to be cognizant of the fact that it it was a great experiment. So the Constitutional Republic, are the people prepared to be sovereign? That was the question. And the first time we failed, because the power of, of the purse, as it were, when they infiltrated our country with all of these super powerful, super wealthy families, They become the captains of industry. And most people that I know, hey, I want a really good job. I want, you know, money. I have a brother who's an attorney and nephews who's an attorney. You go to school and you work that hard and then you spend your whole life. You know, they reward these people very well. Attorneys are are basically very wealthy. The judges are very well compensated. The pharmaceutical executives are very well compensated. So, so these these people are comfortable. It's going. We're not probably going to move that group very very easily. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to rock the boat. They like the boat the way it's floating. But uh, there's a whole bunch of us that are not in that boat. And that's the majority, and that's we the people. So the question is, do are is the great awakening, is the spiritual awakening that we're all experiencing? And we know it's happening. We know there are a lot of people whose frequency and vibration is rising, a lot of people who, who are realizing that something's wrong and that we need to figure out what it is and do something about it. And so there's this growing, very powerful movement that's happening, and that's 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 absolutely certain. But is it happening enough so that we, the people, can be sovereign and that we can actually make a constitutional republic work at this time? If if we can reform it, if we can reestablish this style of government, can we then take it forward, make it work, so that our sons and daughters are living in truly a, a, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And uh, you have that book. Do you want to talk about that book? Well, show? yeah, this 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 is uh, our, our assembly. Um, uh, we have a federation. So it's the Federation of States. It, it's the United States. We have all 50 states in session. And um, one of the leaders, uh, national leaders, is Anna Von Reitz. We, I think this is a wonderful book to to begin if you're just running into this material for the first time and you don't live in New Jersey, you can't come to my class in Ewing, New Jersey every Tuesday, or you can't see one of the presentations. This is Anna Von Reitz. I would recommend go to her website, AnnaVonWrights.com. This is an American affidavit of probable cause. 
you know something is wrong when, and then she goes, uh, this book is written in large, uh, large print. It's got pictures, illustrations, very easy read, a very excellent book for an introduction into uh, what our country should look like and what it does look like. Uh, she has a number of books and, and thousands, literally, uh, I think it's up to 3,600 articles on her website. Uh, this is another book of hers, Some Assembly Required. I'm going to uh, change the title of this book to A Lot of Assembly Required. We need Americans, patriotic, God-loving Americans to come forward, correct your status, join our assembly. We What we do is a lot of self-education and a lot of um, shared um, shared education. We form committees, we work on solutions and, um, and, and we're growing and, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of growing to do. So we're primarily focused on outreach and education at the moment because we need more Americans to come home and to join us. So, like I said, we're not the only person to show up at the base at the grocery store without a face mask. Um, we show up in, in numbers and they have to uh, pay notice to us and say, hey, look, this isn't Antifa or Black Lives Matter. They're not rioting and burning things down. These are peaceful, law-abiding, God-fearing, patriotic Americans who want our country to be prosperous. We want to make America beautiful again, and we want to make our streets safe. When I was uh, growing up, I could walk to my friend's house when I was seven or eight years old, not 10 years old, no problem. He lived half like six blocks down the street and I could just walk down there even after dusk, no problem going back and forth between my best friend's house. And we, we should have those kind of safe um, cities abundantly all around us. Um, and, and this crime and this uh, homelessness thing that's, that's growing is, is an example of an unhealthy country. And I believe that um, we are now unhealthy, um, but we're we're trying to do something about it. Just continue. I'm, okay. <laughs> I forgot to. to I forgot to put my battery, but I, I need you to. My quick question would be: yeah. What would you say to a couple who had a baby and they did this decided not to? register the baby to not do the birth certificate mm -hmm. well um, there's been a couple examples of that recently um, I'm not totally conversant with everything um, about it but the, there have been incidences of people that I'm aware of where they said no we don't want to do a birth certificate and the police officers showed up they know exactly what the birth certificate is um, they know that that's how they um, supposedly gain your consent. Again, it's implied consent. It's not really consent. It's only consent because you're ignorant and you're unaware of what it is to be a 14th Amendment U.S. citizen and to have a unilateral or one-sided contract attached to you. The birth certificate is a form of the Sestake Trust. The Sestake Trust was first created by the monarchies in 1666, um, and it was a, uh, a trust where the sail there was a lot of seafaring in those days, and the sailors would go out to sea, and sometimes, of course, the ship would sink, they wouldn't come home, and so what happened to the sailor's estate or his value, valuables, the monarchy would hold it until their legitimate heir came forth. And if no heir came forward, then the monarchy would keep it. So it was a form of trust. And this birth certificate is a form of Sestake trust. And if you know anything about trust law, there's the grantor, there's the trustee, and there's the beneficiary. What the corporate state did, not only did they create this trust deceptively, and, and, and attach it to a living boy or a living girl, they basically named themselves the beneficiary. If you look at a double certified authentic, if you look at an authenticated certified birth certificate and hold it up to the light, I don't have one with me today, 
but what you'll see is it's on 100% cotton watermark paper. It's a security, and they're investing these securities. They're making money. They position themselves as the beneficiaries of the trust that is attached to Grace or that was attached to Claude. In our paperwork, we have, we have something called the rescission of signature of suretyship. We have the certificate of assumed name because that's what that all capital letters thing is. It's an assumed name that they attach to you. And so what, what we've done is we flipped the script back on them. Because Joseph Story, one of the great jurists in American history, said in the second edition on the law and trusts, only the grantor or a proper judge can change the terms of a trust. So since we have no proper judges, since we have no non-commercial uh, um, non courts in our country, only the grantor can change the terms of the trust. So Grace, you're the grantor of your trust because mm -hmm. you, you're the baby. The baby is 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 the value without the baby there's no trust so when the baby is born that that's the trust res or the trust value so the baby once the baby becomes the age of majority um they name you the trustee that's why you're liable for everything that happens in that name that's why you're liable to anything that happens to that contract but when you execute the paperwork that we have that's called the certificate of assumed name you flip the script the corporation is now the trustee, and I'm the beneficiary of my old capital letters name. Now, if we didn't have corrupt Roman civil law, the courts will recognize that. The problem that we have, again, it's the same problem as the face mask problem. There are so few of us that have done this that we can't get our remedy. We have nowhere to go. We don't belong in their commercial courts. As a matter of fact, their commercial courts cannot even recognize a living man or a living woman. They can only deal with the, the, the unilateral contract that under seal of the registrar of their corporation, the birth certificate. That's why I guarantee you, look it up. You'll never see any lawsuit filed by any attorney in this country where either the plaintiff or the defendant is not spelled in all capital letters because they, they literally cannot charge a living man or a living woman with anything. Now, I'm not suggesting, I heard a story um, the other day of a judge saying to one of our people, oh, you sovereign citizens uh, think that you can just, you don't have to obey the law. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not the way it works, okay? So again, we're required to obey the Ten Commandments. If, 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 I, if I correct my status and then I go rob the liquor store, uh, their system is the only ju uh, uh, judicial system up and running, so that's where I'm gonna end up. Our common law courts are not there, okay? Our common law courts would also throw someone in jail who did something like that. You've broken the law. You need to. You need to. You you need to pay the piper. Okay. We don't do things like that. We don't steal from other people. We don't steal from companies. We don't do that. So we obey the the rule of law. But what I tell people is, if you obey the Ten Commandments, love thy neighbor and do no harm, then you can stand on the land and soil ju jurisdiction, and you should be untouchable. Okay, because they have no jurisdiction over you. And if you understand law, it's all about jurisdiction. They have to establish jurisdiction to be able to deal with you. Um, and if they violate, if they violate that, then they're on the hook. Even the judges could be removed from the bench if we eventually get our common law courts reestablished. They will pay serious uh, um, penalties for going so far as to ignore a man or a woman's proper jurisdiction. And that's in the making, correct? That's in the making, and that's that's going to take us some time. And so I tell everyone, be patient, stay out of trouble, you know, obey the Ten Commandments, please. We should do that anyway. We're 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 you know we're we're trying to raise our vibration and our frequency, and we're trying to and we're trying to find a better way to coexist and live together. So Let's obey the rule of law. Let's love that. Let's love the 
love the enlightenment that's happening and let's but let's correct our status and move into a situation where we're not obeying nonsensical um, executive orders from Phil Murphy or whatever is given to us from the television set because we know that's a lot of propaganda and nonsense. Fantastic. Um, there's just so much to really to learn and we everyone could just begin from, you know, from any little thing that uh, you begin with from what you you what what any of this conversation resonated to you so one although we have this uh, website that uh claude is sharing the tasa.americanstatenationals.org and i'm sure there's other resources yeah and, yeah and if you go to that website you can you can find the email address for our coordinator you can find uh, a, a video presentation by me hopefully this, this podcast will be on there uh, you can find contact information on how to come to one of my classes or presentations. That will uh, be on the website. That will be on the website. Okay. And we have our own website. The New yeah. Jersey Assembly has its own website. Yeah. And we have a link tree. We have Instagram. We have a lot of different resources for people that want to reach out. But at, at that website, the TASA website, no matter what state you're in, you can find the coordinator in your state. You can find out how to correct your status and how to get involved with the with the local um, patriots and status corrected Americans in your state, because there are assemblies up and running in all fifty states in our country now. Yeah, so this is uh, basically um, the this is let's say this what Claude just shared is like the underlying root of the problems that we are facing right now that we don't seem to find a solution, and so. This is the solution, except that everything will just take time. And yeah, it's a numbers game. So we have to, you know, do your part and see where you can begin. And education, education, education. Because this is even, this topic is even more exciting than and, and the re learning the real history. Like um, I wasn't born here, but I'm here now. So it's so interesting for me to learn the real history as well as i most of us in all different countries our histories have been distorted and manipulated to fit in all the oligarchy anyway so now if the americans can really come back to your home to america as claude says and so this is the beginning okay so um any more that you want to share? That you yeah, I, I just the one thing I, I like to wrap up with is um, uh, I was talking to a, an officer from a, a sheriff sheriff's office, and and um, we're hopeful hopeful to get together with him. We're a very different country than we were in 1776. Okay, there's 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 there are big police stations and here in Princeton and in every city, and so as we're growing. I think education and talking to one another and understanding the difference of this in the status and the jurisdictions is imperative because we're not going to just flip a switch and go back to a constitutional republic. We're going to have to find a way to work with, cooperate, and to synergize with the system that's in place. And so um, rather than them running programs, this officer confided in me that they were taught about the so-called sovereign citizens, these disruptive uh, people who are uh, dangerous. And, you know, number one, it's an oxymoron. Number two, uh, the status corrected uh, New Jersey and American nationals that I know are patriotic family people who love the rule of law and want to have safe and beautiful, prosperous communities. And I think that's what the majority of the American population wants. And so let's have a dialogue, let's open it up, let's work with, let's seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I think if we apply the spiritual principles to these practical issues that we can restore, um, maybe it's, uh, you may, maybe the constitutional republic is is w can happen again. It might take I don't know five, ten, fifteen years, whatever. But I think the process 
of trying to do better and understanding the real history of our country is going to be very beneficial for us all. And so we welcome you to, you know, ask questions. Uh, I teach a status correction class every Tuesday in Ewing, New Jersey, in my home office. And I'm also available to come around the state of New Jersey to make presentations if we can gather um, 10 or more people, depending on the location um, and, and the uh, it, work out the logistics. But um, we have a lot of good people in our assembly and we hope to uh, have a lot more good people coming on, coming on board in the near future. And for those who are listening just by audio, can you repeat the websites, please? Uh, yeah, it's TASA, AmericanStateNationals.org. That's T-A-S-A, AmericanStateNationals.org. And on there, you will also find a link to the New Jersey Assembly website. And uh, we have a link tree on that website with uh, different links. I'm not really a technology guy, but but we have some people who, who are in our assembly and have put some together some uh, wonderful resources. So you can reach out to us. We've got people in Cape May County. We've got people in Sussex County. We've got people all over the state. And if nothing else, you're going to meet some wonderful people who are very bright, intelligent, patriotic, and God-fearing Americans. So. Um, you know, please, uh, please come and meet us, and we're happy to, to happy to help you in any way we can. Well, thank you again, thank you, Claude, and thank you to everyone. This is Grace Asagra of Quantum Nurse Podcast. I just like to end this podcast in divine reverence and divine right timing and divine right order to the one source most high. And please take care of all yourselves and. Uh, do share this. Everything will be uploaded in different platforms on Bitchu, Trumbull, Earth Heroes, and Source Bless. Thank, Thank you, Grace. You. Thank you. God bless.